Welcome back to the Pulse Podcast. It has been over a year since I've said that. Uh, and I do apologize for the tardiness, but I have a good excuse. It was called Fifth Year of Residency. Uh, so my name is Jeff Frost. I am a newly graduated resident, previously an R5 in physical medicine and rehabilitation. And today I am joined by another completed champion of the residency marathon. Nicholas, care to introduce yourself? Well, thank you, Jeff. And unfortunately, I'm not completed the residency marathon as I am the uh, wonderful PGY6 designation of residency. But uh, yeah, I did finish the emergency residency program. uh, So good to be here on the podcast. Wonderful. Well, today, I just want to start up front and say this will be the very last episode of the Pulse podcast. I had hoped to find uh, some other residents who might be interested in continuing the tradition of spreading good information about what it means to be a resident in British Columbia, but, you know, it's a lot of work, and I think uh, it's fair to say that it was uh, a challenging project to take on. Uh, I certainly had a really uh, difficult time maintaining the workload of the Pulse podcast for a residency, so I think it's for the best that we, we say thank you to everyone who took the time to listen to the Pulse podcast throughout the years. I really hope you learned something. Um, But as Nicholas and I are graduating, it is now my turn to step aside and allow other resident leaders to voice themselves and help guide you guys through the next stages of your training career and next stages of negotiations. Um, So yeah, thank you very much for everyone who took the time to listen. Uh, Today, we thought we'd close out with kind of our tips for what it means to get through residency successfully, especially that final year we have the big exam to write. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today. Um, yeah. Nicholas. That, that was very sad, Jeff. I, I think, like, I should have brought a tissue for you. Well, you know, the, the Pulse podcast was my baby, Nicholas. So I, I, yeah. I, I do, you know, of course, I'm allowed to toot my own horn here, I think. It's my own podcast. But I do think we uh, helped disseminate good information, especially in the context of negotiations where there was a lot of disinformation, like we experienced that phenomenon uh, first firsthand, I think. And I think the Pulse podcast was a really useful tool in that context. But uh, yeah, took a lot of work. So so I can understand why there, there aren't too many uh, resident voices who want to continue the project, I would say. All right. Well, I think we need to now... Get- go on to a brighter note there jeff ross that was yes. a sad way to start the episode <laughs> well i just i need to be honest with the uh, the listeners nicholas Very good. I, I don't know if we have any listeners anymore this might be just me and my mom listening to this one yeah, but the one person it's been so long since i put out an episode but um okay so residency r5 nicholas just like give me your top five what uh what do you think uh r5 what's your high level takeaway yeah, well, I think conveniently in that you've mentioned top five and it being R5. But I think in general, whether you're uh, doing your um, Royal College residency or you're in um, family medicine and you're writing your exams or you're, or you're preparing for LMCC, but actually we don't really need to do that anymore for now. Um, you know, your study year can be an uh, interesting year. Um, obviously, it's very busy and you have to spend a lot of time studying and preparing for the examination. But I think it's really important, and it's actually more so important than I think the other years of residencies. You also have to make sure that you find some balance as you can get quite um, bogged down in terms of the studying, and that can kind of make you a bit, uh, it can change who you are, and that's not what we want in sort of the fifth year or your studying year. Um, so top five tips uh, from my perspective um, I'd say number one is have a good support group. Uh, so whether it's your partner, your family, your friends, um, 
I think it's such a key thing to have in your fifth year because you're going to go through times where you're going to be very stressed. Um, I know there's definitely times I called Jeff Frost and Jeff Frost called me um, <laughs> when we were both going through the uh, the stresses of studying. Uh, especially, Nick, let's be know. honest here, Nick. So what? how this went down, Nick is an emerge. I'm in physiatry. Pretty much once a day, right? We would have a check-in to see like, how's the studying going? How are you doing? Where's the stress level at, right? Yeah, I mean, and you know, I think that's the thing that um, is a bit different too, because like when I was in clinical, when I was doing a lot of clinical work, those opportunities for those check-ins weren't actually there. So in a way, I think actually sometimes, um, especially when it gets closer to the exam where we're potentially working less clinically, it can be kind of an important piece is to have that sort of frequent check-in. and also to check yourself too, in terms of if your yeah. stress level is too too high. Um, so I think really getting a support um, network in place is important before you go into that studying year because it's so key. I know you have five, but I want to jump in here while you think of your next four. Mm-hmm. Um, I think too it's important that that support network be people who are different from you. Like Nick and I are in different residency programs, so when we checked in with each other, we weren't talking about the minutia of our own exams. Like every now and then, we would pimp each other on spinal cord syndromes just for fun, but you know, for the most part we didn't have much overlap to talk about content. And so you could just de-stress. Yeah. And I would encourage you to find someone who is outside of your program. Otherwise, I guarantee, I'm sure your conversations will just turn into study sessions, which isn't what you need when you're trying to debrief and de-stress. Yep. And you may need study sessions as well. Like, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, may yeah, need yeah, study yeah. sessions. But yeah, I think it is nice to have um, a, both a mix of people you're studying with and then uh, people you're studying alongside, I guess, so to speak. Yeah, and I mean, they don't have to be. I mean, it is helpful if they're studying, but even if it's just someone who's sympathetic, right? But it is. It I will say the rural college is so all encompassing that it is nice to talk to someone else who's doing it because they understand what you're going through, even if they're studying different material. Yeah, yeah, and I I, I think just begs repeating the. Um, of course, we talk. Obviously, you and I had the experience with the Royal College examination, but of course, and so we're going to probably say Royal College too much because we've said it so much for this past fifth year. But of course, you know, equally relevant to all final examinations. So to our family medicine colleagues as well, too. Um, There's a lot of the same similarities between the way we prep, of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah, we don't mean to be exclusive in our language, even if if we sound like it. Mm. But it has been our life for the past year, so <laughs> yeah, our favorite word. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I'd say support network number one tip. I, you know, and then so into your number two tip, um, I'd probably say you know uh, everyone sort of talks about developing a hobby or having some sort of outlet. Um, uh, you know, initially when I heard this tip, I was a bit skeptical and a bit like thinking that's a bit like questionable. You know, people are like oh well, f- build time to exercise and whatnot and i'm like please like i'm gonna be studying i'm not gonna think about exercise but i will say um i i found that having an activity an exercise activity was quite a nice way to break up the day and even if i didn't always want to do an exercise activity um it was a nice way to sort of it was a nice time that i wasn't on my phone or near my computer so that i wasn't studying or responding to messages about studying or thinking about studying. So that was, a, I think, an important piece. So um, whatever that hobby or outlet is, I think it's important to consider what you want that sort of thing to be um, and uh, make sure you get around to doing it, you know, at least once a day. Yeah, I would I would stress, make sure you make time for something that isn't studying or you'll go nuts. I would I would encourage it to, be, to definitely work exercise in, and I would actually say exercise should be above and beyond the hobby. I think exercise is uh, essential for just keeping you grounded while you're studying away there. And if you need another 30 minutes to just chill and do something else and stare at the wall, that's okay too. 
you know, don't beat yourself up for making time. And Nick and I, something we uh, reflected on before starting this podcast was, you know, neither of us have kids um, or like partners or anything. So uh, for there was lots of our co-residents who did have children or partners and, you know, their hobby time was that. Uh, and, and I think the takeaway message there is, you know, they all passed and those are significant time commitments. So there is time to exercise. There is time to spend time with your kids or your family or whatever. You know, you just have to be disciplined when you're not doing those, those non-studying activities. Reflecting on our personal lives there, Jeff, I think that's uh, the podcast was getting sad again. So we'll have to, <laughs> we'll have to <laughs> step yeah. out of that. Yeah, that's true. We're going to steer away from that. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> tip three. I, yeah. So I guess so um, tip number three, I would say, is um, in, it's important to approach your study year and set for yourself uh, goals. And, and something I would say specifically is sort of setting smart goals. So um, smart goals stand for specific measurable, attainable, relevant, and time-based, meaning, and so what it essentially means is set goals that are achievable and that are essentially dividing up a large task into smaller components. And I think with, regardless of the specialty you're in, you're going to have a whole lot to study for during your year. And I think it can be very intimidating if you start July 1st and look at all the chapters you have to study for and all the flashcards you may need to go through or may need to make throughout the year. And so what I found very useful was sort of having a weekly objective. So this week I want to do this chapter or I want to read this chapter or I want to make this many flashcards um, because I wanted to make a goal that was achievable because when you are able to meet your goals and achieve them, I think it just gives you a sense of satisfaction and, and just general happiness that I think is important in the R5 year um, or your study year, whatever that may be. And so I think that uh, would be definitely my tip is to develop for yourself a study schedule. But in that study schedule, try to have weekly or smaller time course objectives that you can achieve. And I think, Nick, something you're, you're, you're speaking against there is this sense, which we heard a ton, every R5 or R2 in family medicine will hear a ton about the overwhelming nature of their exam year. And I think, you know, we talked about this at length. It's overwhelming if you let it be overwhelming. But if you break up the study schedule into something attainable and give yourself a schedule that you know will allow you to complete all the material you need to complete before the exam date, it's okay. You know, you follow your schedule and you get through it. It's, it's, I'm not going to pretend it's a cakewalk. I'm not going to pretend it's easy. It's a ton of work. But I, I don't know if I ever felt too overwhelmed because, you know, I had a plan and I just just trudged away mm -hmm. a little step every day. And I think that's part of what SMART goals speak to, right? Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, I think if we are going into now sort of like a, a tip number four, a reflection of the year, uh, in general, in terms of studying, I think while, of course, there's a lot to study, it's important to set individual goals. I think, um, I guess I would say it's important not to let the year go to waste. And what I mean by that is that obviously during a study year, you're going to be distracted. You may have other commitments as well, in addition to the studying, family, whatnot, that are going on that year that can be stressful. But I find sometimes the study year becomes this sort of write-off year. Um, that residents sort of say, well, yeah, I just spent the year studying. But I think if you approach it that way, it, it, I think you can miss some of the actual opportunities that come out of that kind of critical final year in residency. Um, 
even though it wasn't the final year for me. But it was, uh, it, it, you know, I think I had some really meaningful clinical encounters during that year. Um, and I found there was a number of meaningful activities that I could still do in my um, study year, even though it was the study year. So, I, you know, I don't want to be... Um, I don't want it to seem like this is going to be a normal year. Of course, it's not going to be a normal year. You're going to be studying a lot. But I wouldn't totally discount the year and just make it about studying. Think about what things you also want to accomplish that year, even if they're very small goals. But it's an important year right before you transition to practice as well. So I wouldn't let it go to waste, if that makes sense. All I'm going to say is we're going to talk a lot more about this after tip five. (laughs) Okay. Okay. What I, I feel like you have an anticipation. Do you have a tip five there, Jeff Frost? Um, yeah, I do have a tip five. And my tip five is going to sound silly, but I think it's an important thing to say out loud, which is study. And maybe that's self-evident, but uh, the Royal College, at least for my specialty, like physiatry, there was just a ton to memorize because physiatry, for those who don't know, is quite broad, but we have to know very specific bits of knowledge on all the different broad things we cover like i need to know prosthetics and orthotics which is like amputations all the way to like stroke and brain injury and in between you know there's some spinal cord injury and then there's musculoskeletal injury and it just goes on and on and on and so you have to do the work and there really is no shortcut and uh you know i i had to come up with a method we talked about that having these smart goals and i would go even farther and say also come up with a system that works beyond just a smart goal. How are you going to achieve that goal? So for me, it was using flashcards so that I could memorize all the stuff I needed to memorize. But, you know, I would not have passed that exam if I didn't put a lot of time in. And I would encourage anyone who thinks that they can just kind of walk in and and write the exam and move on with their lives to to maybe think about studying. <laughs> I, you know, and I think that that's a very valid point for sure, Jeff. But I would also say on the other end of things, um, I think if you do put in the work, like, I think it's almost that the studying component also helps you, one, obviously, you're becoming, you're learning more about your specialty before you go into practice, so that's great. You're obviously preparing for the examination, too, but you're also preparing for how you feel after you write that exam, Mm. Um, because I think at the end of the day, we we all spend a long time in residency, and, you know, I I think um, we probably all study a lot for this exam. Um, what in our specialties and so I never say study less but what I would say is the biggest impact of studying I think is almost the part of the post-exam feels because I would say post-exam that can be probably more one of the more stressful times even I don't know I'd say that was probably one of more my stressful things is after you write the exam thinking about the exam that you just wrote and I, I think that's something that my year... Oh, that's that, what you mean. That, see, I took that to mean something else. I took oh. that to mean by studying a lot, you'll have confidence to be independent once you once you graduate. Oh. And that I totally endorse. Mm-hmm. That I would feel... I don't... If you took R4, Jeff, at the end of R4, and said, okay, you're staff now, like, I would have just been paralyzed by fear mm-hmm. every moment of the day because I, I knew I wouldn't have known enough to be independent. Now, I mean, I guess, technically, I know enough to be independent. That's what the old... FRCPC says, but, um, and, and I do think studying built me up to the point where I, you know, I would consider, I would, uh, yeah, I, I guess I'd be willing to be independent, but I definitely needed to do the studying to get to that point. And I, I guess what I, you know, and it could be my, the fact that I'm post-call and maybe my <laughs> line of thought is just completely hard to map out here. But, um, what I would say is like, I think no matter what, 
the Royal, the Royal College exam is a challenging exam and you're not going to walk out thinking this was something you aced. And I think a lot of people in medicine come from um, educational experiences where you succeeded through tests and whatnot, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. And so I think that's a different feeling. And so to me, meeting my SMART goals, meeting my objectives, at least I went into the exam, still nervous, but went into the exam knowing that like I met what I set out to do. And I think that's the thing I really gravitated towards when I was thinking in the middle of the night, oh my God, like, did I get this question right or wrong? That's sort of what I'm saying. Yep. And I think, Nick, you, you brought up a point there, which is worth not it. I mean, maybe it's this bonus tip number six. Expect to feel kind of rough after the exam. Nicholas made me edit out my tips, so we're going to jump back in. We don't know where we were. I had a bonus tip, but it got it got cut. It wasn't very valuable. <laughs> That's Nicholas's opinion. But No, Jeff's, Jeff's bonus tip was that he wanted to take on a baking hobby. And so Jeff, no, I noticed not true. No, this is, this is true. You know, the thing is, Jeff took on this tip of making, like, he makes sourdough. He made a lot of sourdough and very good sourdough, to be honest. I don't think it's a universal tip because if I was baking all the time, I would, like, gain, like, Many, many tens So the truth the truth the truth around my sourdough necklace, as you know, is that I did gain fifteen pounds at the start of R five because I was making way too much bread. Um so that had to slow down. But I do I do make some mean bread, I will accept. I guess that's the tip is be cautious with the hobbies. Which is a very good segue into our next topic of discussion, which is we had talked about having a hobby, doing something else around Royal College, and Nick and I did do a lot outside of studying during the Royal College year. One of the reasons Nick is our guest today is that him and I worked on this project together. And also one of the reasons we didn't, I didn't put out any podcast episodes is because we were using all the audio equipment for a completely different project. And with that lead-in, Dr. Monfries, please uh, tell the people, what have we been working on? Oh, yes. Well, that's very exciting, Jeff. And I, I think it was also great highlighting that we, we have a limited amount of audio equipment <laughs> in terms of our <laughs> RDBC productions. During the negotiations year, um, Jeff and I, uh, and that was a few years back now. Yes, Jeff and I, yeah. was it three years ago? Yeah, three years, years yeah. ago. Oh um, my goodness! We recognized that an important aspect of residency that that really wasn't taught it was was financial literacy, and not only in, you know in the opportunities that there was financial literacy teaching, we often found that it was from companies or individuals who have uh, unfortunately uh, another interest potentially so banks sales were giving it. yeah sales interest so banks were giving it or you know companies that had insurance product products were giving it these these lectures and so we really wanted to develop a financial literacy program that could be brought to you by residents delivered by residents um, and tailored directly for residents without the influence of financial benefit um, or selling financial products. So this past year, we, uh, with funding through the um, BC Ministry of Health, the Resident Engagement Funding, um, we actually created a comprehensive financial literacy program called the Financial Pulse. And you can find it at financialpulse.ca. And uh, it's pulse like your heart pulse, you know, so it's a nice medical connection. another way to spell pulse? I don't know. Maybe we could have done like Paul's. Yeah. Okay. Paul's called brain. <laughs> I um, want to. I want to point a total. So yeah. Go yeah. ahead. Financialpulse.ca. Continue. So no. I, and so that's uh, something that we uh, created that has a number of different 
options for learning financial literacy tailored to what you like. Residents have we have a great team of residents who put together these episodes. Um, so we have content including uh, video modules. We have calculators. We have. Um, blog style post, which is our sort of financial pearls section, as well as we even have a recording of a lecture that we've given for orientation that kind of gives a nice rundown of things. So no matter how or what your learning style is, there it could be content on there for you. In addition, we have in, because we have residents who develop this content, we also wanted to make sure, of course, it's accurate. So we hired fee-only financial planners to review the content. They agreed that they couldn't be named in it. So we really remove that conflict of interest. And so you can be sure that the material you find on Financial Pulse is, is written by residents, but it has been reviewed by the financial experts as well. With a sales interest removed, which was always one of the key things for us. And I will say, just going back to the, the lecture that Nick mentioned, so one of the genesis, the, the genesis of this project was Nick and I gave this lecture at orientation about financial tips we wish we had received when we started residency. And we first started doing this when we were in third year. So if you were in the first crowd for that lecture, you have graduated by now. That's how long Nick and I have been doing this. <laughs> and you were in family medicine, I should say. Mm. And um, so Nick and I started doing that lecture and we got a lot of feedback about more information that would be interesting to know about. And, you know, it was really detailed stuff. Like, should I consolidate my student loans? Like, what should what kind of insurance should I get? Uh, you know, how do I invest? Is it like a TFSA or like what's a corporation? And all these were really good questions, which were beyond the scope of what we could answer in that one hour lecture. And that's kind of what the Financial Pulse became is like an answer to all the questions we got in those orientation lectures. And it's pretty comprehensive at this point. I don't know how many hours of material we have. Uh, not all of it will be released at once. We're going to kind of release it in stages. But the calculators, pearls and modules that were that are going up there. I'm personally really proud of what we did. Uh, and as much as I love the Pulse podcast, I'm happy to have stepped away for a year to develop the Financial Pulse. I really hope if you have any interest in financial literacy that you take the time to check it out and let us know what you think and hope and, you know, let us know if you learned anything, most importantly. And I think through this process, the one thing I, I really grew an appreciation of is that sometimes it seems it may seem silly as a resident, like, why do we need to know financial literacy? Like, isn't this basic stuff like, you know, some of the financial literacy concepts? But I actually would say our financial, the financial knowledge we need as physicians is actually, we actually have to have quite a high literacy, as you sort of alluded to, is the questions we get asked are quite complex. And so we don't have, um, so I think that is what I really appreciate is that not only is it an area that we didn't address, I think it is a really important area that we need to tackle these really complicated questions that come up from residents during residency. And, I, you know, I would actually say, so two parts to that, Nick, I agree on one end of the spectrum, there is a lot of complexity. And on the other end of the spectrum, there is just some basic financial information that we should all know that no one's born knowing. And quite frankly, like to my knowledge, isn't taught in schools in Canada. At least it wasn't when I went through school, but that was a long time ago because I'm super old. So, you, you know, there's no, there's never a bad time to learn important information. And, you know, if, if you feel your financial literacy isn't where it could be, I hope this is a program that's useful for you. I agree completely. Um, okay. I also agree wow. that you're super old as well, too. So, you know. Wow. Offensive. <laughs> Deeply offensive, as always. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, I mean, that's what we've been working on, which is which is why you haven't gotten any any podcast episodes. It wasn't COVID. I can't blame it on COVID. 
we we did spend a lot we we did the financial pulse actually entirely virtually which is kind of fun yeah it was a very interesting way to engage with the content and i think we've kind of been playing uh, you know touching on the different aspects of it but i think it's important to highlight the range of financial topics that we covered with the financial pulse so in this initial release we have a lot of different um, material that you can check out that is of varying levels i guess of um, interest or experience with financial literacy and then our modules which is sort of the foundations curriculum that we have our video modules they teach everything from sort of basics around reading your pay stub or setting a budget Yeah. yeah Two, we sort of will release uh, over time, we have our, our more advanced module has topics around incorporation, the nuances of RRSPs, different things about how to file income taxes and that sort of thing. So it, it kind of covers a full spectrum of, of financial literacy and of yep. interest to, to the residents who, who take part and engage with websites. Yeah, and the the really complicated stuff we're not releasing up front. We're kind of releasing it in stages so that someone has the chance to go through the basics, intermediate, all the way to advanced. So if you feel like you're at the stage where you really need advanced material, uh, you know, feel free to check back in in around December when that will get released. Or check in now because we have a bunch of calculators, which I think the calculators would be relevant for anyone of any level of financial literacy. They're a lot of fun. Um, you plug in some numbers and it spits out some answers, which is which is cool. How how calculators work there, Jeff. Thank you for explaining how that works. I wouldn't have predicted. The other thing, though, is, of, of course, the, the pearls. Um, I would say the, the sort of blog style entries is where we really took that point that Jeff, you mentioned earlier that, like, you know, the questions that some residents would really ask the real us. deep dive questions. The deep dive questions. That allows us to take sort of those deep dives into those topics that um, require quite a, like, you know, some of our pearls are, two to three thousand words long um, because yeah. they take quite a deep dive to go through and so um, I'm hoping that people will really residents will really appreciate that resource um, and they can make use of it and hopefully they will feel more confident with their financial literacy by no means does this program mean you don't need an accountant anymore and you can mm. just go on your own all together what I'm hoping is that this financial pulse program gives you the confidence that you will feel comfortable if you want to reach out to an accountant or you want to reach out to a financial planner you'll feel comfortable knowing how to speak their language and feeling you know you'll feel more comfortable with knowing what questions to ask and to be a little more machiavellian i also hope it prepares you for situations where perhaps you're being given bad advice and you'll be able to recognize that because unfortunately as physicians in my experience we we find that does happen unfortunately Yeah. yeah i think that's a great point Um, But yeah, we really aren't trying to replace financial advisors or accountants. We're trying to prepare you for those conversations moving forward. Um, But yeah, the financial pulse has really been a labor labor of love. It's taken up a ton of our time. Um, And of course, I should pause and thank everyone who helped us along the way. And there were many, many people. Although Nick and I led the effort, there was lots of other people involved. I'm not going to try and name them all because I would miss someone. And uh, I think the number is over 10 easily. Uh, and so many of them are your co-residents. If you see them around and you enjoy the content, thank you, thank them on on, thank them for their hard work, uh, because we couldn't have done this without them. Um, but yeah, it was a really good year. Um, I will, yeah, just to not to knock on that one point one more time because I think it is really kind of interesting. We did the entire thing virtually. We were we recruited everyone over email. We met over Zoom. We did all our work over digital tools and. Uh, there's many people on our team that have done such good work, and I've never met them. In person, yeah. <laughs> I've never met yeah. them in person, yeah. So it was kind of an interesting uh, effect of the COVID pandemic. 
And it also allowed us to get voices from outside the typical Vancouver bubble involved in the Financial Pulse, which was neat. We had residents in Victoria. Mm-hmm. I don't think we had anyone from Kelowna. No, but I think it was just that, it, yeah, you know, I think the the point about the virtual delivery is kind of interesting in that, yeah, you can start engaging people from different programs, distributed sites, um, and and I think it worked it worked remarkably well doing it. Um, yeah, it I'm was very, cool. I'm very sad really cool. I couldn't meet everyone because everyone seemed very great uh, virtually. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it would have been nice to meet everyone in person before we both moved. Um, so <laughs> yeah. that was too bad as well. Oh, <laughs> so I meant to say as part of the intro to this podcast, random aside, we are recording from a condominium in Calgary, Alberta. If for dedicated, dedicated listeners of the Pulse podcast, Nick has previously appeared on the podcast in the past, and in his last episode that he was on the podcast, we also recorded it from this very condo, but at the time, Nick was living in the condo. Now, I'm living in the condo, so we've traded places, <laughs> but uh, oh. this condo has been the site of many Pulse Podcast recordings now, I've and by it. many, I mean two. Mm, I didn't remember that, actually. Yeah, no, we did. It was good times. Yeah. Fascinating. So everyone... any moving tips, I guess, is that that was don't. another thing. No, don't. no, but I think the other thing has a like a holistic kind of conclusion to things and, and more of a, a time for us to, to de- debrief the end of residency. Yeah. Um, but not really the end of residency. Um, yeah, I, I've been dodging that. I haven't finished residency either. I'm now a fellow. So like Nick, I didn't I didn't get off the hamster wheel. Um, I think the last thing we'll, we'll touch upon is potentially uh, some thoughts on moving because you know, the end of residency is a time of moving for residents. And yep. maybe I think that would be kind of a nice touch. And it, it actually does kind of have to do with financial things. So maybe if I okay. take in the role of host, you know, finally I've built up the courage oh to, to, to okay. supersede the Jeff Ross. <laughs> but what I will ask you, Jeff, is yeah. uh, what tips would you have? Okay, so here's, moving? here's the here's the real way to move. And I didn't move this way. But if I was uh, emotionally stronger, how would I have moved? Sell all your stuff. <laughs> All of it. And Facebook Marketplace is horrible, but it is effective when it comes to selling things. Nick and I yeah. had long conversations about the pain of selling things on Facebook Marketplace. Well, I think you, you it's it's kind of funny you say emotional strength for it, because I would say um, when I was selling my product, you know, my house, that, that takes some emotional uh, work to, to sell your products as well. But um, but I have things like I have this desk that's followed me around the country. Like it went to Hamilton, then Toronto, then Vancouver, now Calgary. And I just couldn't, I couldn't give away my desk. So it's things like that, like that I moved, but at a cost. I think the best way to move is to sell all your stuff and then just move with whatever fits in your car. If you even have a car, if you don't, if you can't do that, like me, and you're going to bring your stuff, understand that you get what you pay for when it comes to movers. I got some like mid range movers in terms of cost. They were excellent. No complaints. But it was expensive. Um, check, though. I think one thing that was important in that process, Jeff, is you definitely checked out the movers' ratings and, like, the better On the better business bureau. Business bureau. Yeah. Um, and I think that was key because there was a lot of different moving companies. And I remember how many quotes that were obtained. and Some were very cheap. Yeah. And had very, very negative reviews. <laughs> and it, it's one of those things that I guess it would be, it'd be reasonable to consider that the the value of that potentially so i think when you're reflecting on moving i, w- I would say it's not solely the price it's also the time and yeah. when you're you know i think i can speak for both of us when you're done your exams boy i don't know if you have a lot of energy left to to pack up your entire life and move it if you have to do and so yeah. i think just something to consider is that that time may be very valuable to you to have um spending time celebrating with your co-residents or 
you know, saying goodbye to the city that you're leaving versus um, packing up and moving. So. Yeah, I would actually say I was busier post-exam than I was pre-exam. Mm-hmm. Between, like, closing out my life in Vancouver, packing, moving, all that stuff, it was actually more time-consuming than, than the studying pre-exam. And then another key tip, though, is even though moving is expensive, there is a decent tax deduction that you get with it. Uh, so the it is important to track your expenses. Um, because, uh, and especially like, I, I also know people who, who forget receipts and whatnot. Moving expenses I hear, um, are one of the most commonly audited areas of, um, our income tax submissions. Um, so it's important to keep your receipts and file them away in somewhere you can access them if need be. Uh-huh. But, um, if you do keep the receipts, um, it's quite, um, it's quite good tax deduction that helps at least somewhat mitigate some of the financial impact of the move. So just don't forget that that exists and, track your receipts yeah but uh moving is expensive if you like where you live keep living there (laughs) that's my final tip my unedited final tip very good um i guess that's that's probably it for today eh? yeah so i think well we covered studying and our reflections we sort of debriefed of how we studied we covered what we did last year and why the audio the pulse was not produced. I, you know, I know the Pulse Podcast, were, Nicholas. The Pulse Podcast branding is yes. important. The Pulse Podcast was not, you know, released. You've gone full host here, summarizing the episode. Why this is? Please I said continue. I continue. Please continue. And uh, so we introduced financialpulse.ca uh, yep. for hopefully residents will um, t- check it out, and um, hopefully it's a benefit to uh, our colleagues. And then we last rounded it out with some moving chats. So I think the, the moving was a big aspect of here. We've we've now shifted locations back to Calgary, Alberta. And so, uh, you know, we had a bit of a talk about moving. So I, I feel like that kind of summarizes the entire, our five year of what we experienced, I would say, yep, yep. exam, financial pulse, moving. You forgot the sourdough, but yeah. And sourdough, yeah. a lot of sourdough. A lot of sourdough. Anyways, so uh, I have to say once again, thank you to everyone who listened over the years i really enjoyed doing this and i hope you got something out of it so thank you for coming along for the ride really appreciated you uh checking in so uh this is me signing off for the last time and uh yeah it's been it's been a slice thanks everyone bye for now